0: Good day, and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call with NFL Draft Analyst, Mel Kuyper, Jr. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Allie Stoneberg. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to ESPN's NFL Draft Media Conference Calls. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with us. As you may have seen earlier this morning, ESPN.com released Mel Kuyper's First NFL mock draft for 2018, and later today, Mel, fellow NFL draft analyst Todd McShay, our NFL front office insider Bill Polian, and host Wendy Nix will discuss that mock draft in a SportsCenter special, and that'll air from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. So, in addition to this call, you'll be able to get some other great insight on that show. Alrighty, we'll go on to the Q&A, and in respect for your time and for Mel's, please skip the hi-hellos or other personal greetings and begin right away with your question. We'll try to get to as many people as we can here. First question goes to John O'Connor, and then we'll go to Mike Barber. Go ahead with your question, John.
0: Mel Richmond quarterback, Kyle Lolletta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very good play. Uh, He's got a chance. He's yeah, got a chance at the, at the senior bowl in Mobile to enhance his stock. Uh, yeah, he, he throws a nice ball. Uh, he can give you enough mobility. Uh, he's, he, to me, he's got a chance to be up in that third to fifth round area uh, with a good week in Mobile. He was the his 11th highest rated quarterback right now on my board. He almost broke into the top 10. Uh, it could have He actually has the same grade as the 10th quarterback on the board, which is Riley Ferguson, so yeah, you can look at, depending upon how it goes in Mobile, I kind of wanted to wait a little bit to see how he does down there against the elite competition. Like you said, you could be looking at anywhere between the third and fifth round draft choice.
1: We'll go to Mike Barber and then Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal.
0: Yeah, I'd like to ask about oh, Wyatt Teller out of Virginia Tech. What kind of a projection round? What are his strengths? And I'm also curious, Tim Settle, their defensive tackle, who came out as a redshirt sophomore. Um, what's his projection, and how do people view somebody that young at that position? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, so we get to settle him in. This. As far as uh, Wyatt Teller, a solid veteran. Uh, you know, look at a guy that's uh, technically very sound, can pull trap. I think he's you – know, right now, I have him as the sixth highest rated guard, and, and one of those is a tackle moving inside. The other is a, a guard who can play center. And Austin Corbett from Nevada and the other is Isaiah Wynn, a tackle who would be a guard. So if you look at, uh, from a standpoint of round wise, I'd put him probably in the fifth, sixth round area. Settle, big body in the interior. I saw him in three games, very impressed. I mean, I, I moved him up to the sixth highest rated defensive tackle. That gives him a chance to be like a third round pick. So we'll see how he does at the workouts and things like that. But I, I like the fact he's such a big body. He's got athletic ability. Uh, he holds the point. He fights through double teams. He, he was he was a, a much better player than I thought he would be when I looked at him over the last couple of weeks.
1: We'll go to Nate Ulrich, followed by Daryl Slater with the Newark Star-Ledger.
0: Hey, Mel. Can you break down um, Allen, Rosen, Darnold as it pertains to the Browns at number one overall, obviously, Um you know, going with Allen and number one has gotten a lot of attention with your mock today, and I'm just wondering uh, your evaluations of those three guys, but also how much of that has to do with, uh, you know, Rosen reportedly uh, wanting to avoid the Browns, if it has anything to do with that at all? Well, uh, it's a couple of factors, I think. that Yeah, that's certainly a minor factor because things can change in that regard. I don't know if the Browns that they really like the quarterback really care about. that. He's not going to sit out the year, and you can very easily with conversations change things. And I think if you look at the, if he would look at the the Cleveland Browns personnel and the fact they have John Dorsey as GM, he might be changing his thought process just a bit on that. But I went with Allen for the fact that he finished strong. He had the big game against Central Michigan, and he's got the physical capability to hang to do the job in the weather conditions like Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Wentz, players that the quarterbacks will be compared to. With that size and the, and the physicality, and the arm strength, and mobility, and the toughness, and the competitiveness for playing in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Baltimore every year. So yeah, that's why I think Allen would, for me, with the big-time arm and the, and the big, big body, uh, was the reason I gave him that slight edge over Rosen and uh, and Darnold. And then as far as Rosen, injured the last couple of years, shoulder two years ago, concussion protocol this year, two concussions, didn't wasn't able to play in their bowl game. So durability is a question there, and Darnold just didn't have the great year anticipated. Came into the year looking like the clear-cut number one pick overall. Struggled. Uh, you know, some bad habits were developed. Made some bad decisions, some poor throws, some ill-advised throws. A lot of fumbles. Ball security was an issue. Holding the ball with one hand like a loaf of bread in the pocket. Um, there's some things he needs to clean up and uh, cut back, cut down on the turnovers. Uh, that's why he dropped the, the, and when this mock to the third quarterback coming off the board.
1: We'll go to Daryl Slater, followed by Jeff Shudell with the News-Herald.
0: Now, Mel, as you look at the Jets here, uh, obviously you don't project a quarterback to them at six. Let's let let's presume that they do not sign a quarterback in free agency. Uh, would six be too high for Baker Mayfield? What's your assessment on that? If they don't pick a quarterback and the draft falls the way you think it, it, it is here, uh, where do you see them doing Going at six or trading them? Yeah. Well, you know, it, what happened was when I got to six, the three quarterbacks were gone. So then I said, okay, Baker Mayfield, and that, as you talk, this is about talking to people in the league. It's not about what I think. You know, it's, it's about what I'm hearing. And I didn't have Baker Mayfield being discussed in that top five, top seven overall. So that's why I put him at 13. You know, could by late April, Baker Mayfield, based on the week he has in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, in the pro days and the combines and all that, ascend to the top ten? Sure he could. But right now is what I had to base it on. I wasn't hearing top five, top six. So then I had to go, okay, who would they need? They need a corner. Make a not just a safety. He's a corner. So this notion, well, what do they want to know a safety? He's a corner. He played corner. He played great football there. They moved to safety after Eddie Jackson got hurt. Uh, two years ago. So you know, Minka's a corner. He's a proven entity at that spot. They need a corner. Granted, Dean Milner was a bust, but can't worry about that. He's got to move on. It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with what kind of player Minka Fitzpatrick is, what kind of player Dean Milner was, and the fact they need a corner. It's one of the top need areas. So that's what I felt like with Minka. You're not only getting a need filled, you're also getting a player who's arguably one of the top two or three players in this draft. Jeff Shudell,
1: followed by Andy Biter with the Roanoke Times.
0: Hey, Mel, I heard what you just said about Josh Allen, but are you concerned that uh, playing in the Mountain West Conference, he completed only 56% of his passes? How does that translate to the NFL? Well, Jeff, you got to look at beyond the stats. Stats are for losers, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. yeah, you, know, you can't you – know, you, the kid won. I mean, you say, well, what was his record? When he was out there, they won football games. And the stats, like I say, that, there's a lot of guys that have stats and, and can't get their teams over 500. Wyoming this year lost, five, lost four key guys to the NFL. Center, Chase Rulia, who played in Washington. Running back, Brian Hill. Tight end, Jacob Hollister. And wide receiver, Tanner Gentry. All those guys won NFL rosters. Wyoming can't reload, yet he led them to a bowl game and the two games he didn't play in, they lost. And if you go to the, watch the throws, it wasn't all on him. Incompletion is a result of bad offensive line play, not having a running game this year with the loss of Brian Hill, receivers dropping balls. There's a lot of factors that contribute to that. And he had the shoulder injury against Air Force and he missed two games. He came back from the shoulder when he didn't have to play in the bowl game and he played great. So, you know, you'll to look kind of, past. I understand that that's an area, that's a concern. That's why he's not lock, stock, and barrel number one, is because of that 56% completion percentage. No other quarterback, and he had Started this year outside of Josh McCown came out of college with a lower career completion percentage. So I get that. I get that stat. But you know, if you if you if you don't like that stat, nobody would even take him in the first round if that's a bothersome thing. But I think you you have to look at the tape, watch every throw, and see how many of those were because of Josh Allen just being not accurate, not precise. How many were on somebody, on the receiver, the line, or whatever. And I think they'll find that that completion percentage was a little bit misleading. Uh, and now certainly there are times when he could be a little more precise and a little more accurate, but, uh, for the most part, if you watch the kid play, I mean, he can whip at any point on the field, very competitive, great mobility. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, he finished strong and the other two quarterbacks didn't.
1: Andy Biter followed by Angelique Shangelis with the Detroit News.
0: Hey, Mel, I saw your mock draft today you're very bullish on Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, I, I was curious why you see so much upside on him and if there are any sort of comps in the league right now that you see for him. And, and also I was wondering what you think of his brother Terrell. Yeah, I mean, Tremaine uh, is a physical and athletic, you know, you know just specimen. I mean, he's could a, know, a freakish talent, uh, just a, a top-level athlete. And he can play, and he has inside and outside. And the inside linebackers with great length—John Gruden's always pointed this out. Inside linebackers with great length are very valuable, and I'm sure John will have an interest in Tremaine Edmonds for that reason. He loves Zach Cunningham last year coming out of Vanderbilt, who had a very good rookie year with the Houston Texans, one of the top defensive rookies in the league. So, having height at inside linebackers a rarity. Normally, they'll see six foot three, six foot four inside linebackers, and they disrupt quarterbacks' passing lanes, and their quarterbacks hate seeing tall inside linebackers out there, and he's athletic. He can play inside-outside. He's had over 100 tackles the last couple of years. You think about production, the work ethic, the, the physical and athletic talent, the bloodlines with his father, who I scouted when he was a tight end at Maryland. Uh, that's why I have him going right now, uh, 13, 12 to Cincinnati. He could even go a little higher than that. Uh, his brother, uh, twin brother, could also go. I think you know in the second round area, the safety, another talented kid uh, who could end up being, a, like I say, a second, third round pick. So, uh, but Tremaine's the one that I think uh, by the time we get to late April is going to be a really hot prospect.
1: Angelique Shengalis, followed by Rob Gray with Cyclone Fanatic. Mel, what makes uh, Maurice Hurst so appealing? I mean, you've got him in your first round. And and also, if you could touch on, obviously, from Michigan, uh, Cole and Khalid Hill and and Mike McCray.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of, of, uh, of a guy like this, I think in today's NFL, you've got to get after the quarterback and be disruptive. And that's what, you know, Maurice Hurst is. I and mean, for Buffalo, you know, you don't have Marcel Darius anymore. You don't have, you know, the defense of Kyle Williams as a free agent. So I think you look at it, and, uh, and that's a neat area uh, the, for for the Buffalo Bills. And I think somebody that can give them, if you look at all the defensive tackles production, his was better than just than anybody in terms of getting behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for lost sacks, and, and harassing quarterbacks. So I think for a three-technique disruptor, uh, quick off the ball, uh, he's the kind of guy, I think, for Buffalo and for teams looking, as I say, for a disruptive defensive tackle. They're hard to find. and He's one of those guys. You know, think about the fullback position, the versatile guys like Hill, more of a late round pick. McCray, yeah, I think he could end up, depending upon how he works out, uh, I think you know, having him right now as the ninth best inside linebacker he can play, he's versatile to play both. Uh, he could be a good backup special teams. I think, I think maybe late round for him uh, and a guy that certainly can make a team and be a contributor.
1: Rob Gray and then Catherine Terrell with ESPN Cincinnati.
0: Mel, I wonder uh how you'd evaluate a couple of Iowa State players. Receiver Alan Lazard and uh, I guess unconventional linebacker situational quarterback Joel Lanning. Yeah, Lazard uh, Lazard's a big body, tall receiver, you know, jump ball situations, the fade routes, and you know he can go up and get it. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of separation. Uh, you know, that's the thing I think the quickness in the first out of his break is something he'll need to work on. Uh, you know, because in the NFL, cornerbacks are in your hip pocket more than they are in college, and he had trouble, like I say, getting that great separation on a consistent basis. But, uh, he could end up, depending upon how he runs and how he tests, uh, early to mid-day three guy. Uh, I think Lanning's interesting, because they like said quarterback turned linebacker. That doesn't happen very often. And I know they, you talk about uh, what Matt Campbell had to say about him, and, and re, he's revered out there in, in Ames, and uh, just a kid gives you everything he has. Yeah, blood, sweat, yeah, he's everything, he lays it all on the line. And, uh, yeah, to me, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he got drafted late. And he's the kind of kid with his overall versatility and love for the game and passion for the game and toughness. Uh, yeah, he can, be, I can help you on special teams, versatility. Uh, yeah, you put him if you get injuries at quarterback, you can always do that, uh, you know, in a pinch. So yeah, I think late rounds for Lanning is a great story.
1: Catherine Terrell, and then Alex Hickey with SEC Country. Hey, Mel, you said you thought Tremaine Edmonds might fit in best as an outside linebacker in Cincinnati, but they already have Vontez Bertrick and Vic Vigil at the Sam and the Will, and then Carl Lawson who can maybe play linebackers. So kind of what do you see them doing with him, and do you think primarily he'd be drafted as a middle linebacker there?
0: Yeah, he would be in there. Now Ed Lawson's a defensive end. With his hand on the ground, is where he's best, and he always feels more comfortable going after the quarterback and pinning his ears back. So he's a he's a defensive end. Uh Yeah, and of course, perfect situation. Great player. The great player when he's on this field. out you know, heck of a player. Should not have been undrafted. Obviously, should have been drafted. Played like a first-round pick when he's out there. But I think with Edmonds, he gives you so much versatility. And you know, you're talking about yeah, you, know, you can scheme him inside or out very easily. Uh, he can give you a, in pass rush situations. He can give you an outside presence. He can be, give you an inside presence, as I said, with his height and his athleticism and the way he roams sideline to sideline. So, yeah, I think he would fit in well at, at, at Miami, Oakland. There's several teams picking early that could look at, at Edmonds, and not just the Cincinnati Bengals. And then, obviously, I wanted to give them an offensive lineman, but there, yeah, you know, I, I just didn't have one there. McGlinchey, I had going from Notre Dame one pick earlier.
1: We'll go to Alex Hickey and then Anthony Dasher with UGA Sports.
0: Martin Key and Darius Geis, uh, neither of those guys are in your first round. Why is that? And then who do you see as the third LSU player to come off the board this year? Yeah, it wasn't that – Key just didn't have the kind of year expected. Um, So I think he's more of a second-round pick. Uh, Geiss, you thought about maybe getting him into the late first round, but running backs historically dropped. Look at Alvin Kamara. People had him in the late first round projections. He goes in the third round. And he's not, and this kid's not as good as Alvin Kamara. So it was in college. Darius Geiss, uh, you know, Kamara gave you more versatility. And, and Geis is a good player, but I think Geiss is more of a second round pick, which would have put him higher than Kamara went. That's like Kamara went in the third round. So I think you look at Geis as a two. I think D.J. Chark is going to be interesting. But I think you look at this team right now, and, and, and there's a lot of guys who are going to go, I think, day three. Uh, I think Jackson certainly could. Tolliver, the defensive backs have a pretty good history at LSU. Uh, they certainly have a chance. But I would say right now, uh, you know, Chark, because of his size and his athleticism, he had the punt return against Auburn. Uh, I think he'd be a kid to, to at least keep an eye on, and like I say, day, day three, which is where most of these kids like Dante Jackson and Tolliver figure to go.
1: Anthony Dasher,
0: followed by Scott Hood. Yeah, Mel, I just wanted to get your latest take on Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. And in the case of Sony, how about his performance in the playoffs and pretty stock in the eyes of the NFL teams? A lot. I thought he uh, moved up into the late first, early to mid second round. So I didn't put him in the first round projection for the same reasons I talked about Darius Geist, that running backs just don't go as high as you think they will. Because uh, a lot of teams don't need them, and they know they can get great value at that spot. But I think when you look at uh, Sonny Michelle's solid second-round pick, he's got that first outside, the bounce outside ability, the inside running ability. He blocks extremely well uh, in pass protection. Uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Sony Michelle helped himself probably this year, late this year. He went probably from a fourth or fifth-round pick up to a second-round pick. And Nick Chubb probably went from a you know, late one, early to mid two, when the season began, that's what he looked like, to probably more of a third to fourth, fifth round pick. So where Chubb moved down just a bit, Michelle ascended him a, a probably two or three rounds.
1: Scott Hood and then Jim Wyatt with Titans Online.
0: Thanks. Um, now, let me ask you about four Washington State uh, players, uh, Luke Falk, Hercules yeah. Rees, uh Cole Madison, and Cody O'Connell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Madison O'Connell could certainly get drafted day three of the two linemen. O'Connell probably has a little bit of a higher grade right now. Matafata, I, I like him. I like the, the the hustle. I like the the athletic ability. I like the fact that he's versatile. They moved him around a lot, and they got a lot of production uh, out of this kid. And he can play on his feet. He can play with his hand on the ground. I think uh, when you look at, at Hercules, Matafata, I think you're looking at a guy – Probably third round. People like, right, kind of a Rob ninkovich type player. When Ninkovich came out, he played as a fifth round pick, uh, out of Purdue. And Luke Falk, I have right now a, a, right now a third round grade. I thought he would be more of a two, but I'd say more third round right now.
1: We'll go to Jim Wyatt, followed by Josh Katzenstein with the Times Secune.
0: I know a lot has to be sorted out in Tennessee, but who could you see him play for them at number 25 and and where do you think they go go on January the 18th? Well, I think the guard, there's a guard that was there at that point. And there's a couple guys that I think could be like, you know, be a wild card or curveball type picks would be Austin Corbett, a center guard out of Nevada, and Will Hernandez, a guard out of UTEP. Both those kids will be at the Senior Bowl this week coming up. Uh, but I went with the the pass rusher in Harold Landry. Harold Landry at Boston College didn't have the kind of year expected, a little nicked up here and there, but overall last year showed, two years ago showed great pass rush ability. Morgan and Arakpo are are not, you know, you have 23, 24 years of age anymore. They're getting up there in age. Uh, they combined for 14 and a half sacks. Uh, but I think when you look at Eric Walden, he's getting up there in age. They got three guys that are up there. Kevin Dodd hasn't developed the way they had hoped. So while they were tied for fifth in total sacks, it was kind of distributed over a lot of people. Uh, the most sacks they had was the seven-and-a-half by Morgan. That's it. And like I said, they're going to start having somewhat you would think of a little bit of a drop-off as day to keep getting older. So I went with a young pass rusher and Harold Landry from Boston College.
1: Josh Katzenstein followed by Mark Gong with the Buffalo News.
0: One thing on the Saints and then LSU, uh, first, Just how impressive was this Saints draft class overall? And then with LSU, uh, why uh, did Darius Geis and Arden Key not make their initial mock draft? Well, I just said about Key. I just explained about Key. Key didn't have the year expected. Uh, He had the injury. I think you're looking at more of a second round pick now. And Geis, I could have put Geis in the late first. I didn't find a team for him. Uh, He had a good year, not a great year. Remember, he also had the injury to deal with. But I think you're looking at a good, solid second round pick there. In terms of the Saints, a great draft. I mean, that draft catapulted them in what they would have hoped would have been a Super Bowl. And had they won that game uh, Sunday, they probably would have been in the Super Bowl, I would, I believe. I think they could have gone to Philly and won and then maybe won the Super Bowl. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But uh, you look at this year, I think the, the, the thing that's overlooked is third down conversion rate. Despite having a great quarterback in Breeze, a great running back tandem in Kamara and Ingram, they still could not convert third downs on a regular basis. They were 19th in the NFL. They were 2-for-9 against the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. That's why I gave them Cortland Sutton. They got 104 catches from Michael Thomas, only 53 from the number two guy, Ted Ginn. And they could also go tight end, like a Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, a Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. When they had Jimmy Graham, he's catching you know 85-plus balls four straight years. You know, he had 38 between the two tight ends combined. So tight end wide receiver converting third downs is something the Saints have to do better at.
1: Mark Gaughan, followed by Bob McManaman with the Arizona Republic.
0: Okay, Mel, very simply, what are you going to be most interested to look for and to see from the quarterback group at the uh, Senior Bowl? Well, I think all eyes are going to be on Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Mason Rudolph was supposed to go, now he's just going, he's got an injury, he's not going to be playing down there. He'll go there for just the, the measuring, and, and that's it, and I guess the interviews and, and things like that. But I think it will be obviously be Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, Baker will be watched very closely, see how he handles himself all over the place, you know, because you want him to be the CEO of your football team. And for Josh Allen, just to go down there and, and do what Carson Wentz did, uh, and just, uh, you know, and for Baker, Baker's got to do what Russell Wilson did show that, hey, despite not having ideal height, he didn't have many passes batted down at the line, and he can do the job against the, the great talent that'll be down there. And as I said, for Josh Allen, just stick out as a big time uh, quarterback because, you know, Rosen's not going to be there and Darnold's not going to be there. And uh, it's a great opportunity for Josh Allen to show that, hey, you know, just doing the eye test, he looks like the number one player overall. Bob
1: Maneman, and then Greg Pickle with 10 Wives.
0: Hey Mel, you got the Cardinals taking Josh Jackson, the Iowa corner. Uh, what do you like about him? And, and more importantly, I guess, can you can you see Arizona going quarterback at fifteen? Which one? And could they trade up to get one of those top four that you have in here, first? Yeah, uh, that was a possibility. I had I had them at one point in taking Baker Mayfield, and I had moved them up to Washington because of the Kirk Cousins situation. So if they could jump over Washington. They could get possibly Mayfield. And this is so early, they're kind of speculating on where kids are going to go. But that's a possibility is the quarterback position. Cornerback, Williams is a free agent. They need somebody opposite Patrick Peterson. Josh Jackson had a ton of interceptions, big plays in the passing game, pass breakups. He's got great height, great length. Recovery ability, we'll see how he tests. If he shows good recovery speed, he's going to go high. I gave him to the, to the Cardinals anticipating he'll run a good 40. If he doesn't, he'll drop just a bit. But, but as long as he runs a good 40, Josh Jackson is going to go high. And think about those Iowa defensive backs have done pretty good in the NFL for the positions they were drafted.
1: Greg Pickle and then Matt Charbonneau with the Detroit News.
0: No, you had Saquon Barkley atop your big board. I'm curious who he compares to in terms of guys you scouted over the years and then two other Penn State guys, Marcus Allen and Mike Kosicki. What do you see there for as come draft day? Well, you know, I think for with Barkley, you know, just, I mean, the way he bounces, there's a strength in the lower body or the leg strength. Uh, You know, you balance through traffic. He's a heck of a player. And you're you're hoping he's going to be like Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. That's what you're hoping. Uh, that he can continue on. He can pass block very effectively. Catches the ball out of backfield, not only swing passes but down the field. Um a heck of a player! And uh, you know, for Cleveland, if you get the quarterback at one and the running back at four, you're on your way. Uh, you know, because that defense is pretty good there. I think Marcus Allen. I'd have him right now. It's not a bad safety group overall. It's actually a pretty good one. He right now is right now looked at maybe as a fifth-round pick. He's my number 10 safety, so maybe fifth, sixth-round for him. Jason Cabinda, uh, the inside linebacker, also has a fifth- or sixth-round grade.
1: Matt Charbonneau followed by Dave Southern with the Idaho Statesman.
0: Jamel, hey, I want to ask you uh, Michigan State related a little bit. Brian Allen, is is he probably the best chance for Michigan State to keep their draft string going? Maybe some other fringe guys. And then also, real quick, Mason Cole of Michigan, if you had any thoughts on him. Yeah, Mason Cole's versatility, I think, is going to help him. Yeah, he can pretty much be your swing man along the line. Uh, I think he'll draw some interest in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, I think Michigan State, like I said, with Brian Allen, you know, just a hardworking, overachiever type. My ninth highest rated center probably puts him in the late round category, late rounder, uh, priority a free agent for Brian Allen. But there's a chance he could go in the, like a sixth, seventh round area.
1: Dave Southern, followed by Bill Rubinowitz with the Columbus Dispatch.
0: So, now, I wanted to get your thoughts on Boise State linebacker uh, Leighton Ashby, where, you, where you've seen from him, and where you think he might go, and then uh, maybe any other uh, Boise State prospects that, that you know about. He's the—he's a really good player. In fact, when he decided to come out, kind of you go back to the drawing board and you start looking at these guys a little closer. And, and Todd and I were Todd McShay and I were talking about that today, and I said. This Bandaresh kid really impressed me. He said, Yeah, a couple games he saw he did as well. And, you know, outside linebacker wise, with his versatility, he can do a lot of things. He can drop, he can cover. So I think you're looking at a guy, I wouldn't be shocked if he went second or third round. Uh, you know, he's in the, it's a real good group of outside linebackers this year. The seventh guy, which is right ahead of him, figures to be a second- or third-round pick. So, yeah, uh, the guy behind him could be second- or third-rounders. So I think he goes day two. I think he, uh, depending upon workouts, uh, uh, to me, he's a solid day two pick.
1: Bill Rabinowitz and then Liz Clark with the Washington Post.
0: No, I see that you have uh, Ward and Hubbard going in the first round from Ohio State. Of the other guys in the draft, who has caught your eye, particularly among guys who maybe are a little bit under the radar? Well, I think that Jerome Baker is going to be the one that, you know, you look at the way he played this year compared to last year, and I think some people dropped him just a bit. I still have him, you know, overall, when you combine everything he's done throughout his career, uh, coming out as a junior, still is the ninth highest rated outside linebacker. And, uh, you know, I think with his athletic you know, skill set, he could end up being a third, fourth round pick. Uh, Damon Webb is interesting because he's just a, he just makes plays. And I think he's the kind of guy late in the draft could be a player. and We see it all the time with safeties come in and, and do a lot better job than anticipated. So I think if you can get him on day three, I think Webb's going to be an interesting guy coming in.
1: Liz Clark and then Pat McManaman with ESPN. Uh, one moment. Please go ahead, Liz guy. Yeah, no, I was just, I'm was. i fine, so please skip ahead. I'm sorry. Thanks. We'll go to Pat McManaman, followed by Chris Brown.
0: Alan Darnold and Rosen, how do you differentiate them in terms of their play on the field? Well, this year, you know, Alan struggled a little bit early because he lost all those players to the NFL. Came on a little bit, then he had the shoulder injury against the Air Force late in the year, missed two games, came back for the bowl, played really well. So, I think from a physical talent standpoint, he's the best. From the pure passer, from a, you know, being under center, three, five, seven, step drop, the most artistic, picture perfect, passing, pure passing quarterback is Josh Rosen. But he's got durability issues. He had the shoulder surgery two years ago, missed half the season, two concussions this year, 32 days in concussion protocol, sat out their bowl game. So Arnold, like I said, great year last year, great finish against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Struggled this year. Now, he lost three offensive linemen. They also had injuries on the offensive line. Lost his top two receivers, one of which was Juju Smith-Schuster. With that said, there are still some unforced errors, even in the Ohio State Bowl game. There were Owen Darnold. And I think you maybe fall into some bad habits because you don't trust your protection enough. And he did. He was holding the ball out like a loaf of bread. Uh, you, know, you got to have two hands on a football when you're maneuvering in the pocket. Hopefully, he'll learn that and pick that back up and just some bad decisions, some inaccurate throws. So he didn't have anywhere to give. When he was on the field against Rosen in the Crosstown rivalry game, Rosen looked like the much better quarterback. Um, But that doesn't mean once they're in the NFL, that uh, if they're handled properly, that Darnold can't recapture what we saw two years ago. what he looked like clearly the number one player in the entire country by miles. So you got to kind of balance out last year and this year. You can excuse away some of it. You can't excuse away all of it. So that's why right now I would kind of look at them as as Allen, Rose, and Darnold, but that's very fluid because, like I said, I said all day today, you're splitting hairs between all three of those guys.
1: Chris Brown, followed by John Mullen with NBC Sports Chicago.
0: You just mentioned some of the question marks facing some of these top quarterback prospects. So with all that happens during this pre-draft period, which of these top quarterback prospects has the toughest sell job to convince NFL teams they're worth the pick? Well, I think all of them are in pretty good shape to sell what they've done. They, they're up here for a reason. They're all really good players, but they didn't have the type of year expected for the reasons I gave. Uh, I think Rosen, the interview process, will be important to convince people that, hey, what you were hearing isn't true, that I am all about football, I, you know, the teammates are around me, that he can be the competitor on the football field that we know Allen is and Darnold is. Uh, Darnold's got, got great intangible. Uh, so does Allen. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, for them, I think the, the pro day throwing even against air for Josh Allen will be important. Accuracy and precise passing at the senior bowl will be important for Allen because people are going to look at that 56% completion percentage and have some doubts and have some worries. So I think the the combine, I will be pro day combine, and then certainly senior bowl for Allen for precise, accurate passing. Durability concerns with, with the Rosen will be there. And then the interviews will be important for the reasons I gave. And for Darnold. Uh, They're going to try to figure out what happened this year, why he regressed. And if they can excuse away some of that to the personnel around him, then they can reconcile that, hey, when we put it all together, he's worthy of being the number one, number two pick overall. And uh, they're all in the mix. All these three of these kids are in the mix to be the number one pick. But right now, just because of the way Allen finished the season, I gave him the nod at number one.
1: James, I'm sorry, John Mullen, then James Crapia with AL.com.
0: Well, uh really one question, but kind of parts A and B. One you know, last year there was the quarterback class was suspect and yet we end up getting three teams trading up into the top twelve to get guys. Is there a position that you think will be that kind of surprise run this year? Uh you usually that. this spectrum happens most of the time with quarterbacks, but is there a position you think is has such strength that people are going to be falling over themselves to get up and get it? And part two is in this, what, what position do you think is so deep that guys are going to be, teams are going to be going to be getting day one starter quality people in that second or third round? Great question. Um, yeah, I think there's some some combo defensive end outside linebackers. Uh, Jalen Holmes at Ohio State's an interesting guy. Didn't have the production, but he's got enormous talent. Uh, Justin Lawler is a kid at SMU who uh, had really good production. Depending upon how he works out, he could be Leighton Vanderesh, the kid at Boise State I just talked about. Uh, Teray, the, uh, the linebacker at Rutgers, is very interesting. The Woso, the linebacker at USC. So those combo guys, I think there's a lot of those, Uh no question about. It. And for quarterbacks, yeah, there will be between now and April a push up the board. It always happens with quarterbacks, and you're going to see uh, you know the intrigue with a lot of these guys. I think the teams will be very intrigued by. You have Kirk Benkert at Virginia. They'll be intrigued by Mike White at Western Kentucky. Riley Ferguson at Memphis. Kyle Oletta at Richmond. (coughs) All those kids are going to get some interest, some strong interest. Luke Falk at Washington State. So they'll all get pushed up. Quarterbacks always do.
1: James Crapia and then Ryan Mink with BaltimoreRavens.com.
0: Mel, what's your assessment on uh, Auburn's top four guys, starting with Carlton Davis, then Braden Smith, on Johnson, and Jeff Holland? Um, I think right now Davis is a first-round pick. Uh, we'll see how he works out. Uh, these tall, angular corners like him that have length uh, makes sense. The L.A. Rams, I have them going to. Uh, you, know, you have a situation with Trumane Johnson, a free agent. They could, that could be a major need area. That's why I gave him Carlton Davis. Braden Smith, I think, is, you know, is a guy, probably a third, fourth-round guy. Hernandez and Corbett have made a little bit of move maybe ahead of him. And, of course, Carlson didn't have the great year anticipated, had some misses this year, uh, but he's still the highest-rated kicker uh, coming out this year, uh, in my opinion, uh, even though, like I say, he doesn't have that third, fourth-round grade that I thought he would have. I thought he could go very easily, at one point, second or third round, but he didn't have the great year anticipated. That's why, right now, I'd say more day three.
1: Ryan Mink, and
0: then Mike Chappell with Fox 59. Thanks, Mel. I saw you had Brian O'Neill, the tackle, from Pittsburgh to the Ravens at number 16. Can you talk a little bit more about why you saw that as the pick? And also, as you well know, the Ravens are obviously looking for playmakers, especially at wide receiver. You have Ridley going higher in the top ten, Who could they target if they can't get Ridley at
1: 16 to get a playmaker?
0: Yeah, that was the problem I ran into, nobody. Uh, I just didn't see anybody worthy of being the 16th pick at wide receiver to give them or a tight end. So I didn't see that. And certainly they have running backs with the emergence of Alex Collins and and Buck Allen, and you have Kenneth Dixon hopefully coming back. Then, you know, you should maybe take a running back later. Um, And I would think, you know, the offensive line, I'm not – Austin Howard struggled as a pass blocker. Yonda's coming off the injury. He's not getting any younger. You know, Alex Lewis, I love Lewis, as a right tackle guard. If you brought in a guy like O'Neill, he could play right tackle, which he did play two years ago. Then left tackle this year, he's a former tight end, which I love, but loves the feet and the athletic ability of guys like that. You go tight end to offensive tackle, and he had a great year. And, uh, you know, like I said, if he, you put him at right tackle to start, I mean, Ronnie Stanley's had some injury issues as well, and he hasn't exactly, you know, been you know, super yet like he can be. So O'Neill is the right tackle. He can play guard. He can play anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I think the right tackle spot would be upgraded if you bring in Brian O'Neal.
1: Mike Chappell and then Nate Atkins with MLive.com.
0: Mel, you've got Barkley 1 and uh Chubb 2 on, on your big board. You've got the Colts taking Chubb at 3. Do you sort of look at that position that if they're both sort of equal – one gives you more bang for your buck. Why, why would you take? I mean, the Colts need are getting both. Why would you take the pass rusher over the running back if they're sort of both right there for you? Yeah, it's a good question as well. It's just a gut feel. that running backs you can get historically later. We've I've talked about Kareem Hunt, Kamara, a lot of other guys. That and Marlon Mack, you got some production out of at Indianapolis as a is not an early round pick. So to me, you know, the pass rusher Bradley Chubb, you can make an argument is the best player in this draft. So he's not that far off from being the number one guy in the draft. He had two great years back to back. He's got a great attitude, great approach. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's not the elite talent that Miles Garrett is. He was more consistent and more uh, on a daily basis. Gave you everything he had, run against the run and the pass. and He chased down plays. So uh, he's not Miles Garrett, but he's close enough to say, hey, uh, you know, he could be the like I say, the number one player on anybody's board. So I opted for the guy that's not easy to find over a running back that you historically can find later in the draft.
1: Nate Atkins, and then Christopher Walsh with SEC Country.
0: Yeah, Mel, I was just curious uh, how you think this year's running back draft class compared to last year, which obviously got a a lot of buzz. And if you're a team that passed on running back last year and you're not able to get, like, a Saquon Barkley, uh, what do you think is kind of the range to get sort of a day one starting running back this year? Yeah, it's not phenomenal depth, but it's good enough where, for instance, you can probably get a Mark Walton who had the injury this year at Miami that he checks out okay and he's ready to go. You could probably get a guy who's a second-round talent in the fourth or fifth round maybe. Um, uh, I would think Josh Adams from Notre Dame, if he drops into the fourth, fifth-round area, would be a good pick. I'm not as high on on Johnson from Auburn as some are. By the way, Jeff Holland from Auburn – who a previous caller asked about, Jeff Hollins, a pass rusher, he could go third round. So Auburn's got a number of guys who are going to be, you know, you know decent players in this draft. But uh, Nick Chubb's fallen back to the third, fourth, fifth round. So you could get a Nick Chubb at that point. Uh, Rashad Penny from San Diego State. We'll see what he does at the Senior Bowl, but he could end up in the third or fourth round. So I think there'll be good depth. You can always find that one guy that drops a lot further than they should, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with even a Royce Freeman from Oregon. Royce Freeman had a great start to his career, did, tailed off a little late. You know, If people get a little down on Freeman because he didn't finish strong, maybe Freeman gets into the fourth, fifth round, and there's a guy that we know when he's you know, at a maximum level can give you a heck of a performance.
1: Christopher
0: Walsh and then Joe Fan with the 49ers. Thank you, uh, Mel. I want to ask you about a pair of Alabama guys. Uh, first, Bradley Bozeman, and second, this might be unfair, but do you think Jalen Hurts can improve enough to be a legitimate pro prospect at quarterback? Well, I think Bozeman's just an overachieving, you know, college center. Did a heck of a job uh, for Alabama. You know, just getting the most out of his ability. I think if the limitations will lead to him probably being a a undrafted free agent, late-rounder, priority undrafted free agent. is going to have to battle and scratch and claw to get onto a roster. Uh, Hurts wasn't waiting to be a true junior this year. Tua's obviously passed him by as being the more multi-dimensional passing quarterback who can also run. But yeah, Jalen Hurts was a great leader, tough, phenomenal runner, clutch guy, just did enough in the passing game to get by. And when they needed more, they went to Tua and they got it. So, uh yeah, who knows? I don't think Nick's, Nick's not going to discard Uh, Jalen Hurts, but to say he's a pro prospect right now, I would say no. I don't think he's a, as a quarterback, I wouldn't say he's an NFL quarterback prospect, but we'll see if he can maybe make a change to another position down the road as well.
1: Joe Fan and then Matt Jones with the Democrat Gazette.
0: Mel, you kind of just touched on it with Bradley Chubb, but is there an elite pass rusher in this draft class and then how many guys are in that top tier? Well, I think mean, certainly Chubb is uh, an elite pass rusher, no question about that. I think when you look at, at who else could be, Marcus Davenport from Texas San Antonio. He has the height, the wingspan, the takeoff, uh, to really be a heck of a lot of him going 14 to Green Bay. Green Bay desperate for improvement in their pass rush. Sam Hubbard, quiet until late in the year at Ohio State. Uh, yeah, he's a guy who gives you everything he has. He could be a late-round guy that uh, you know, you know, will get those coverage sacks and give you great hustle and uh, a solid performance. Not spectacular, but solid. Rasheen Green from USC, I gave him the New England at 32. He's kind of sneaky as far as how good a pass rusher he is. People don't give him enough credit. He had a heck of a year. Really impressed me with the way he played. So I think he's interesting. Uh, Jalen Holmes, Ohio State, doesn't have the stats, but people are going to look at him as a second- or third-round pick with the way he tests. And when he was on, he had that great finish to the season. He's interesting. Duke, uh, of four from Wake Forest is another guy. And I mentioned Matafah from Washington State and Justin Lawler from SMU. So, and, uh, Owusu, uh, from the USC has had a, had a great finish. Durant Armstrong from Kansas, very underrated player coming out. Ture from Rutgers, underrated player. So yeah, there are a lot of, of guys that can get after the quarterback coming off the edge in this draft. Matt Jones, and then Ryan Dunleavy with NewJersey.com. Austin Allen, Frank Wagnall of Arkansas, what do you think of their, uh, of, of their status and what they could do with the All-Star Games over the next
1: couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, Allen, I you know, is more of a guy, you would say, free agent-type guy as far as you know, the draft. I think you look at Wagnall as a guy who right now is the second-highest rated center coming off the injury. I, I'd say third or fourth round uh, would be where my projection would be for Wagnall. He's likely had a James Daniels from Iowa Uh, If Daniels or Will Platt from LSU move ahead of him, maybe drops down a round from that into the fourth round from the third. But Ragnall is going to be a guy I think can anchor an offensive line in the NFL for a long time.
1: Ryan Dunleavy followed by Charlie Potter with 247 Sports.
0: Mel, I've heard your breakdown of the top three quarterbacks. What makes Rosen the right call over Darnold for the Giants, and is there any chance you think they don't go quarterback there? Well, you yeah, know, Saquon Barkley, uh, we've talked about him for the, a lot of teams. I mean, the Colts certainly could look at him. Cleveland, the Jets, and the Giants, too, could look at Saquon Barkley. Orleans Darkwood gave him a lot, but you look at a guy like uh, like Barkley that is, is a heck of a talent, and he can do everything. He blocks extremely well, which is very underrated. you got to block, you got to protect the quarterback, be the last line of defense for the quarterback, blocking. So, uh to me, yeah, he has a great value, catches the ball down the field. So, yeah, he could be in the mix. Uh, for the Giants, but if they take a quarterback, I went with Rosen, uh, he's NFL ready, smartest quarterback Jed Fish ever coached, great pure passer, aren't, he had a better, when you saw Darnold and Rosen on the same field at the Crosstown Rivalry game late in the year, I don't think anybody who saw that game said that Rosen wasn't better than Darnold, he was better that day, he had a better year overall, so that's why I went with uh, Rosen over Darnold.
1: Charlie Potter, and then Ed Valentine with SB Nation.
0: Uh, hey, Mel, you, uh, had four Alabama guys in your mock draft today, and they had five juniors declare early, and I was just wondering what your overall thoughts were on Alabama's draft class this year, especially the guys, uh, you have going the first round. That's a great draft class. I mean, Minko Fitzpatrick's one of the best players in this draft. Play corner, can play safety, a slot, everything. He's done it all. Uh, Deron Payne was a key guy all year for them. Yeah, they needed that. Uh, they didn't have a guy. They needed a guy to be like uh, Marcel Darius and A'shaun and Reed. He was better than that. And uh, he had a great year. And, uh, and I uh, have one of the Chargers. They had the worst, uh, per carry average allowed in the NFL with almost five yards a carry. Uh, they had a little soft belly in the interior and that would help them. Uh, and then certainly Rashawn Evans and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley I pushed up to eight. I think he, in most drafts, he would probably be more of a mid-first, but in this draft, he's the best receiver. So in the, that's what the Bears need. And Rashawn Evans, I dropped down to Pittsburgh. I, at one point, I went 13 to Washington. So there's a wide range on Evans, uh, who I think is, is a heck of a player. He can play inside. He can get after the quarterback. He can move into the outside in those pass rush situations. Uh, uh, you know, I think Evans is a guy with he's there at Pitt, with Pittsburgh's selection at 28 would be a heck of a choice.
1: Ed Valentine and then Dwayne Rankin with the Montgomery Advertiser.
0: Mel, you have the Giants going quarterback in round one. They also need to rebuild their offensive line. Can you tell me how deep this draft is in offensive linemen and maybe give me a couple of you know mid- to late-round guys who might be able to help? Yeah, I, the line did get a little better. Yes, they, they were much maligned, and I get that. Highly criticized, but they did get better as the year went along. But some later-round guys at tackle, Desmond Harrison at West Georgia, is a really interesting kid. I think he could go in the third or fourth round, but I don't think he gets into the fifth or sixth. Uh, Tyrell Crosby at Oregon. Uh, when he came back from the injury, played well, uh, had a good season overall. Some guards, uh, I already mentioned a few at the top, but a guy like Isaiah Wynn played tackle at Georgia. was a former guard. He'll move back inside to a guard spot. He's interesting. Sam Jones, the junior at Arizona State, coming out early. Center-wise, uh, like I say, I think you look at, that, uh, you know, a guy that I think has versatility to be a center guard and be a highly rated player is Austin Corbin. Now, if you want Austin Corbin, you're going to have to take him to the second or third round. He's not going to get into the later rounds. Another uh, a personal later round guy could be Sean Welsh at Iowa. they got a great history at Iowa for supplying the NFL with some competent linemen.
1: Dwayne Rankin and then Eric Bailey with Tulsa World.
0: Yes, wanted to ask about Bo Scarborough. He obviously has size, uh, you know, looks like an NFL back in terms of his body, has shown flashes of an ability to be able to run, but has been injury prone and wasn't productive this year, only had less than 600 yards. How do you assess him and do you feel like what happened with Alabama backs in the past, good or bad, whether it be Trent Richardson or Derrick Henry, will affect how people view Scarborough? Uh, Derrick's so well. Trent was a bust, but Derrick's done well, and, and certainly Mark Ingram's had a nice career. So it, it, it's not only thing against Alabama backs at all. Kenyon Drake's coming on it out with the Miami Dolphins. So you know, they're outside of Trent Richardson. He's been the only bust. Um, but I think when you look at at where they'll go, uh, you know, I think Bo Scarborough, based on the way he played this year, as you said, disappointing, uh, runs a little high, has had the injuries, but he did have uh, some really productive games last year. I think you're looking at probably a fourth to sixth round pick. Uh, Damian Harris opted to go back, which I thought was a wise move on his part. He did not finish strong, and a lot of games was that one big carry that led to him having a high average per carry. I think Damian Harris was smart to go back. Scarborough, by coming, I think he can make a team. There's no doubt, I think he can make an NFL team, but I think he goes somewhere on day three, probably in that four to six range. I would even shade rounds five for six.
1: Eric Bailey and then Olin Buchanan.
0: The state of Oklahoma has a number of uh, prospects that may be selected highly. I want to ask your thoughts on a handful of them. Uh, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown
1: from Oklahoma, and uh, Mason Rudolph and James Washington from Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm
0: talking about James Washington. Uh, yeah, his ability to get down the field, and Mason Rudolph hit on a lot of big plays to Washington. Had some uncharacteristic drops this year, Washington did, but overall a, a pretty solid hand. I'm as the sixth best receiver. I got a third round grade on him. I think he could go as high as the second round. He's going to be at the senior bowl. The Oklahoma kids, Orlando Brown's a late one, early two. Uh, I think he can maybe be a left tackle, but more so looked at as a right tackle. I talked about Baker Mayfield in the top ten overall. Uh, but I think Mark Andrews is the interesting one. I had him going in the, in the late first round to Jacksonville, he could also go to New Orleans. New Orleans has to convert third downs better, as I said earlier, and they could use a tight end. They haven't gotten any production out of their tight ends. When they did with Jimmy Graham, they were getting a lot of production, haven't gotten any lately. <clears throat> they could look at a guy like Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. So there's a couple spots for him in the later portion of round one, to New Orleans or to Jacksonville.
1: Owen Buchanan, and then Nick Kosniger.
0: Yeah, Mel, um, what do you like about uh, Christian Kirk that you would project him as a first-rounder? And then I wonder if you have any thoughts on Armani Watts from Texas A&M. Yeah, first of all, I'm going to go to Watts. So Watts is a tough, tough kid. He's got great uh, instincts for the position. He's around the ball a lot. He's my fifth-highest-rated safety, which puts him in the third round. So he's going to go, I think, pretty high. Uh, Like I say, second or third round, I would say right now more third. For Kirk, got him in the late first to Atlanta. His stock has dropped a little bit from where it was early in the year. He, too, had some uncharacteristic drops. But he's got the great returnability. He's a slot receiver. He's a hard worker. Uh, should test out well. I think with, the, with Taylor Gabriel, free agent, Atlanta could use him. I think the Atlanta Falcons would be a nice landing spot for Christian Kirk late in round one.
1: Nick Cosmeter, followed by Justin Rogers with Detroit News.
0: Mel, you mentioned earlier that Sam Darnold will have to show um, or have to explain kind of some of the regression that he might have had this season. What, what, in your view, led to some of that, and what can he do to prove that he's he's still kind of up there at at the top of the list? Well, I think pro day, combine pro day will be important for him. Uh, Just to see on the field the way he throws the football and the delivery, is it a longer delivery? I don't know if that will bother anybody. You can't. You know, there's nothing you can do. He's not going to be on the field anymore. So the, the bad habits he got into, you have to hope you can coach them out of them once you get the pads back on in mini and during the summer. But um, it's just basically a, a scouting department and the coaches and the head coach and the coordinator trying to figure out, you know, can we take what we saw two years ago and coach him up? Which obviously this year, yeah, he regressed. And but we saw what he could do. Let's you know, say, like, show me what he can do when he's at his best. We've seen that. He looked like the number one pick by a mile. Now he's not the number one pick guaranteed. So, yeah, if you feel like we can recreate what we saw two years ago with Sam Darnold, you take him number one overall. If you feel like another guy could maybe be a, good, a little bit you know, more upside or you like his delivery better, because as I say, Darnold does have a longer delivery than some may prefer, you go somewhere else.
1: Justin Rogers and then Mike Wells with ESPN Indianapolis.
0: Hey, Mel, it's a poorly kept secret that Matt Patricia is eventually coming to take over in Detroit. Uh, with, without speculating on a potential schematic overhaul, are there specific characteristics you commonly see in the defensive players drafted by the Patriots the past several years? Well, I think you look at the versatility. Obviously, when you see like Aninkovitch was at Purdue and and what he's been able was able to do in the NFL once he got there, and high power. They like Alabama players. They tended to like some Florida guys here and there. Connections with college coaches that they're uh, you know as I say close with. Uh, but I would think, and I gave them Sam Hubbard, the kid from Ohio State. That's the Urban Meyer connection. There uh, has been big with uh, with Bill Belichick, and you, know, you need a pass rider, Ezekiel Ans is also a free agent. They got to get a top-flight running back. Uh, there's not one to take at that point in the second round. You could look at Sony Michelle, uh, certainly from Georgia. Uh, you could in the second round, if you want to second or third, look at Darius Geis, Ronald Jones from USC is another one. They could go in the second round uh, mix. But I think running backs are biggest need, but you're not going to see one there at that point. So you look at the pass rushing defensive end, uh, like I say, which could be a guy like Sam Hubbard from Ohio State. Mike
1: Wells and then Joey Knight with the Tampa Bay Times.
0: Hey, Mel, can you uh, elaborate on what makes Chubb the best pass rusher in this draft and what running backs the Colts could possibly get in the later rounds to uh, go? Yeah, to- what makes Chubb is, uh, first of all, he's got a great takeoff, and he uses his hands real well, strong hands, really good te- technique. Uh, the rip, you see, rip, swim, move, everything with him. Uh, he chases, uh, he goes through double teams, he gets coverage sacks because he hustles, he never quits. Uh, he practices hard, he sets a great tone for the rest of the team, the young kids on that squad, great character, you think about Dave Dorn, raves about the kids' work ethic, that all uh, factors in as far as running backs go uh, I think some of the guys that you could maybe get later, uh, I think like I say Royce Freeman at Oregon, Josh Adams at Notre Dame may slide down just a bit to make them good value picks in the third to fifth round
1: Joey Knight and then Mark Wogenrich with the Allentown Morning Call
0: Mel, what do you think are Quentin Flowers' chances of making an NFL roster quarterback? And if not a quarterback, do you feel he has a chance to make a roster at some position? Well, that will be determined by the workouts. And, yeah, that's something that's very hard to decide. I mean, Antoine Randall had a great senior bowl week, and that's what allowed him to be a you know, second-round pick coming out of Indiana. You know, Matt Jones, the same thing. You know, quarterback at Arkansas, to give him a first-round pick was a bust, but still showed that. So, yeah, if you can show it in an all-star game, it really benefits you because they want to see it if you make that position change. So we'll see what happens. Right now, uh, that's an unknown, that we really don't have an idea what position he would project to and how he would do at that spot.
1: Mark Wogenrich followed by Mark Weiser.
0: Now, in your opinion, how did it happen that the running back drafted as number one fell out of favor over the years in the NFL? And if he can buck that trend, how would Saquon Barkley Go about doing that to become the number one overall pick? Well, it's been kind of a, where the elite running backs have gone. Okay. You know, Todd Gurley went. First of all, Trent Richardson went, was a bust. Then you had Gurley. Then you had, you know, Ezekiel. Elliott. And you had Leonard Fournette. So you've had the elite guys go. Okay. Um, Christian McCaffrey went because of his great versatility. Look what kind of receiver he was for Carolina. But uh, I think in this draft, you know, you know if you're looking at Barkley as that type of player, he's going to go in the top five. But a lot of teams are going to say, okay. Look at how many running backs. Look at the, the playoffs last year. I mean, one team had a running back in the first round. That was Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott. So I think you, you look at this year in the final four. Uh, Minnesota had Dalvin Cook. It was a second round pick. He was looking grateful. He got hurt. Now Murray's their guy. Think about New England with James White and Deion Lewis and what they were able to get. You know, Philadelphia Eagles, the same thing. You know, you know Jayi was not a, an early round pick in Miami. And Blunt was undrafted okay so you think about the teams there you know, philadelphia minnesota now jacksonville took four net and now they're in the final four so one final four team had a first round running back but uh, that's why uh, they, they think they can look at kareem hunt calvin kamara and a lot of others that that, that are really really good that we don't have to invest the first round picking a running back for that reason really good ones tend to slide down further than they should
1: unfortunately we just have time for one more question as a reminder, Mel will share more draft insights during tonight's SportsCenter special, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, and then we will certainly have more calls as we get closer to the draft. Mark Weiser, question goes to you.
0: Sorry, Beth, I was on mute. Following up from earlier, uh, why do you say Dick Chubb dropped down uh, draft boards uh, this season? And what do you make of the decision of defense lineman Trenton Thompson to enter the draft as a junior? Well, yeah, Thompson didn't have the year expected. Uh, yeah, but you know why? You, I don't know why guys leave early. They aren't first-round picks. Like I would say if you're not a first-round pick, go back. Uh, but you know where will he go? He still has a chance to be a, a third, fourth, fifth-round pick. We'll see how the process plays out. It's a little too early, but he did. He did. He looked like a first or second-round pick. Went into the year, didn't have that type of season. Same thing with Chubb. It was more late in the year. It was Sony Michelle. that was really the key guy. And the pass blocking of Michelle is better. Uh, than Chubb, and I think than the versatility overall, being able to bounce in, you know, run it off the gut, tough inside, and be able to bounce outside, and have that dual versatility as a runner, is why Chubb is going ahead of, I mean, uh, Sony Michelle has moved ahead of Nick Chubb.
1: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much to our media members for joining us today, and like I said, more conference calls in the future. Have a great rest of your week.